What's up, everybody? It's Monday, 9.31, and it's time for the show among all shows. It's Into the Air and Verse. I'm your host with the most, holding it down from the Texas coast, yours truly, Aaron Childs. A lot of stuff happened over the weekend. And I understand that your home, or well, my hometown, Houston Astros, are in the ALCS for a right to go to the World Series. Due to, excuse me, due to uh, events beyond my control, I happen to have a recap of yesterday's score. I mean, Saturday's score in which um, Houston ended up losing five to nothing. And then yesterday, they tied up the series by winning 3-2. It was Correa. scored the winning run and per the Buzz Brew Simpler Night brought to you by Buzz Brew Correa dedicated his run dedicated the winning run to a guy who was I mean to a young kid who was uh, in the hospital I believe with cancer and um And um, both uh, Correa and his wife had to uh, had the chance to stop by to cheer the little lad, the young lad up, and he. 
and they gave him some Astros merchandise, which includes a Take It Back t-shirt, which you, which you can find, as well as other postseason merch at your local academy. But my guess to you is I get there pretty quick because it sells out faster than Nolan Ryan getting up to pitch an 85-mile-an-hour fastball. And tomorrow night, as far, tomorrow night, you get to see your hometown Houston Astros and the unhittable Garrett Cole go up against the New York Yankees. And sidebar, before I go back to talking about the Astros, I have a couple of tidbits, courtesy of Gizmodo, for my into the writer or into the writer's room. This week's into the writer's room is full of chalk is chalk full of news. For a live action of Cinderella, I mean of Walt Disney Cinderella, Deadline reports that in that Edina Menzel is in talks to play Evelyn, the wicked ste- the wicked stepmother in Sony's live action Cinderella. And Billy Porter recently confirmed his role as the fairy godmother in a recent festival Q and A. Now that is going to be an interesting film. Also, I know a lot of people remember the original Little Shop of Horrors. This comes courtesy of Collider. And they have word that Billy Porter is under consideration to voice the man-eating plant Audrey Two in a new film adaptation of the same name. And the same outlet reports that Lady Gaga of A Star Is Born fame as well as American Horror Story and several musical projects is rumored to be up for the role of Audrey herself. Stay tuned as these two movies pan out. And here we have Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. 
In a recent interview with the French magazine Premier, Elon McGregor, who plays the villainous Roman Sionis, revealed the dialogue in, a Birds, in Birds of Prey is peppered with the hint of everyday misogyny from its male characters. It goes on to say, misogynists in movies are often extreme. They rape be women, and it is legitimate to represent people like that because they exist, and they are obviously the worst. But in the Birds of Prey dialogue, there's always a hint of everyday misogyny, of those things you say as a man do not even realize mansplaining, and it's in the script in a very subtle way. I found that brilliant. And courtesy of Cinema Blend and their YouTube channel, Jojo Rabbit released a clip of... Adolf Hitler having a heart-to-heart -heart with Jojo. Then, also, Netflix's uh, YouTube channel released a clip from its animated Christmas movie, Claus. You could find that on their YouTube channel as well. And for Crisis on, for the in, highly anticipated Crisis on Infinite Earths cameo. This comes courtesy of Canada Graphs. Vancouver Set Reporter reports that Tom Ellis was recently spotted on the set of Crisis on Infinite Earths as Lucifer Morningstar. Filming a, filming a scene with David Ramsey, Catherine McNamara, and Matt Ryan. There, and it goes on to say, there may be too many people in this crossover, which spans five hours, starting with The Flash, I mean, starting with Supergirl on Sunday, December 8th, Batwoman on Monday, and December 9th, and Flash on uh, Tuesday, December 10th. And following after the winter hiatus, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow concluded. But anyway, this goes on to say, there may be too many people in this crossover, which, according to this alleged photo from the set, will also include a cheeky reference to the universe of the 1989 Tim Burton Batman movie, a newspaper featuring Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne,
and give me till tomorrow and I will have a photo which comes courtesy of TV line including some very key members of the crossover. Anyway, back to the news. For Longinus, Variety reports Dario Argento will direct a new auteur series for the international market, said to be suspended between the real and supernatural. No details on the plot are currently available, but Longinus is named for the alleged Roman commander that pierced the side of Jesus with his spear to, to confirm his death after being crucified and will concern mysterious murders, esoteric elements, and ancient, ancient enigmas. Ah, uh, She-Hulk. This one comes courtesy of Daniel Rickman on his Patreon, Patreon play, uh, page. The upcoming She-Hulk television series plans to have William Hurt back as General Thunderbolt Ross and may even bring back Liv Tyler as Betty. The Stand. Courtesy of TV Guide, this reports Cat McNamara, Eon Bailey, and Hamish Linklater have joined the cast of The Stand. McNamara will play Julie Lowry, a woman who hooks up with Lloyd Henry. Nat Wolf in Las Vegas, while Bailey will, will portray Teddy Wiesak, a survivor of the super flu who is part of the body crew with Harold Lauder, Owen Teague. Linklater will portray Dr. Ellis, an infectious disease specialist with the military who wants to cure the epidemic that's infected the world. And an then an early celebration is on Mr. Robot. For episode four oh four not for four oh four not found airing October twenty seventh. And All Hallows' Eve brings a spooky episode on Nancy Drew. A beacon. As a funeral for Tiffany Hudson nears, her confused spirit seemingly haunts Horseshoe Bay. Nancy, Kennedy McMahon, invites Bess managing Jezani to stay with her, allowing Nancy to figure out what Bess is hiding. Nick struggles with what he learned about Tiffany. Meanwhile, George reluctantly seeks help from an unusual source as Ace, Alex Saxon, runs into a significant person from his past. Lastly, Carson continues to advise Ryan 
Riley Smith, much to Nancy's chagrin, Alvina. That episode airs August 30th. And coming up, we have a recap of all the NFL action, as well as the Red River Battle. Stay tuned. Again, this is Into the Ironverse. All right, you guys, welcome back. This is segment two. My favorite part of the show. And tomorrow afternoon, you get to see your ass, our, our hometown Astros go to New York to face the Yankees. Courtesy of Brian McTaggart today, this article reads, New York, the last time the Astros faced the Yankees in the playoffs was the 2017 American League Championship Series when the home team won all seven games. The Astros had home field advantage and advanced to the World Series where they beat the Dodgers, but losing three in a row at Yankee Stadium left the club a bit shell-shocked. The Astros, who won the 2015 AL wildcard game in the Bronx, figured it be better, figured to be better prepared to handle the intimidating atmosphere of Yankee Stadium in October with a roster full of players who were there during the 2017 run. Game three of the ALCS is Tuesday in the Bronx. This is a quote from manager A.J. Hintz. He said, this is a big stage. This is a big stadium. It's rowdy from the first pitch on. It will bring some adrenaline out of you. This doesn't take a lot of time to get ready for these games immediately. Uh, because you show up to the ballpark, there's a buzz immediately. This is a real atmosphere. The Yankee uniform is historic. We know that, but we deserve to be on the field with them. We'll take it to that point, and then we just play the game. That pitcher, Will Harris, says it's more about whom you're playing than who, whom you're playing than where you're playing. Look, it's a tough place to play, he said. They have a good team, and they string together a lot of good at-bats, and that's what wins games for them. It's not the city we're playing in. We know it's tough, and we're looking forward to the challenge. Astros to use the bullpen for a possible game four. Hinch said the Astros would have a bullpen day for game four on Wednesday, assuming it doesn't get rained out. Before Hinch puts a plan in stone, however, 
He said he has to get through Game 3 on Tuesday, and then we see how the weather shapes up for Wednesday at Yankee Stadium. The most likely candidate to start Game 4 would be rookie Jose Gerkiti, who threw one and two-thirds innings in relief in Game 4 of the AL Division Series against the Rays. Brad Peacock figures two loom large too. In my in a perfect world, there's going to be a number of guys. Maybe your kitty starts. Maybe he comes in the middle of the game, and we go with somebody with a little bit more experience. And said, but we haven't made that decision. We don't even know if we're going to play that day. There's been a lot of talk about the weather. We'll see what that brings. Hinch hasn't typically used bullpen days in the past couple of years because he hasn't had to. The Astros have had a deep and talented starting rotation, but they're essentially operating with three starters since Wade Miley fell apart in September. Well, bullpen days are effective, Hinch said. I mean... That's been kind of proven as baseball has evolved throughout this season. Last season, a couple of teams made really impressive transitions. And you can do that and optimize your pitching that way. It's also scary and dangerous as a manager. You feel there's a lot of pressure. You're asking a lot of guys to be really good that day, and when the game changes or the game gets long or something unforeseen happens, a move gets made on the other side. It gets a little bit more difficult to manage perfectly in that game. If you're a Cubs fan for the second year in a for the second year in a row, Hinch is letting one of his bench coaches interview for open jobs during the ALCS. Josh Spada, who replaced Alex Cora when he bolted to manage for the Red Sox after the 2017 season figures to be a hot commodity with the with eight managerial openings. And he interviewed with the Cubs today. And this goes on to say I'm honored and proud of how many of our guys on our staff the last couple of years have gotten opportunities to interview or even gotten bigger and better jobs at other places, Hinch said. We went through this every year. We had it two years ago with Alex Cora and going through his interview process all around the league. Last season, Joe interviewed at a number of places. This season, there's a number of openings, as everybody knows. And last year alone, Espada had interviewed for manager's jobs with the Angels and the Twins. 
Hinch said he's respectful of the Astros' task at hand while making sure Espada is given a chance to pursue other opportunities. He's a really good baseball man, Hinch said. He's smart. He's got leadership qualities. Any team that wants to consider him is heading down the right path with him. He's incredible for us. If we lose him, it's because it's another leadership opportunity. If not, then he'll be right by my side. So, it's a big opportunity for Joe Espada. Stay tuned after the postseason to find out where he ends up. Now, the NFL was full of action this week. Well, it's fun around. Just kidding, it's the final segment of the show. Welcome back. All right, we have a lot of NFL games to get to, such as tonight on Monday Night Football. The Lions are leading. The Packers by two, 22 to 20, was 7:01 left in the fourth. And Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. What can I say about the New England Patriots? Patriots, except they are the most dominating team in the NFL right now. They are, and it's. Unreal. They bested the Giants 35-14. to Sunday's games. Panthers beat the Buccaneers 37-26. to And the Seattle Seahawks beat the Cleveland Browns 32-28. to The Texans beat the Chiefs 31-24. And the Redskins finally won one as they beat the Dolphins 17-16. Vikings over the Eagles 38-20. Saints over the Jaguars 13-6. Ravens in the Bengals 23-17. 49ers over the Rams, 20-7. Cardinals over the Falcons by one, 34-33. And the Broncos obliterated the Titans, 16-zip. The Jets, 24 over the Cowboys, 22. Good job, Jets. The Steelers beat the Chargers 24-17. Teams on a bye this week were the Bills, Bears, Colts, and Raiders. Next Thursday's games 
next Thursday's game, and I mean this Thursday's game includes the Chiefs and the Broncos seven twenty at seven twenty on Fox. Sunday's lineup includes the Dolphins and the Bills at noon on CBS. Jaguars and the Bengals at noon on CBS. Over on Fox is the Vikings and the Lions. And then back on CBS for a pair of noon games. It's the Raiders and the Packers. And the Texans and the Colts. And then over on Fox at noon, it's the 49ers and the Redskins and the Cardinals and the Giants. Then at 3 o'clock, 3.05 actually, the Chargers and the Titans at on on CBS. The Saints and the Bears on Fox at 3:25. The Ravens and the Seahawks also at 3:25, and the night game over on NBC at 7:20 is the Eagles and the Cowboys. And of course. The undefeated Patriots and the New York Jets play at 7:15 over on Monday Night Football. And the teams taking a break next week are the Browns, Steelers, Buccaneers, and Panthers. And if you're a Seahawks fan, they're the underdog by three by three and a half points. The so the NFL season is getting really interesting. And if you're keeping up with the ranking, the AP poll LSU jumps to number two. Good job, guys. And University of Georgia falls to number ten. And the top 25 teams read as follows. Alabama, LSU, I mean Alabama 1, LSU 2, Clemson 3, Ohio State 4, Oklahoma 5. Wisconsin, 6. Penn State, 7. Notre Dame, 8. Florida, 9. And to round out the top 10, Georgia at number 10. And the rest read as follows. Auburn, 11. Oregon, 12. Utah, 13. 14. Boise State, and my Longhorns round out the top 15, at number 15. Number 16, Michigan. 17, Arizona State. 18, Baylor. 
19 S uh, SMU, 20 Minnesota, 21 Cincinnati, 22 Missouri, 23 Iowa, 24 Appalachian State, and 25 Washington. After following the coaches' poll, Baylor stays at 18, Texas at number 15, but Number two is Clemson, and number and number three is LSU. And to round out the top five, respectively, are OSU, are Ohio State, and Oklahoma. And rounding out the top ten, respectively, are Wisconsin, Penn State, Notre Dame, Florida, University of Georgia, and well, and University of Georgia. And here comes the fun part of the program. Oklahoma bested Texas in the Red River Battle, 34-27. LSU beat, number five LSU beat number seven Florida, 42-28. Number three Georgia Lost to South Carolina, 20-17. to 17. Clemson beat Florida State, 45-14. That's number two ranked Clemson. And number one, Alabama, beat number 24, Texas A&M, 47-28. And Notre Dame, best of USC, 30-27. Number nine, Notre Dame, that is. Number eight, Wisconsin, best of Michigan, Michigan State, 38-0. And Boise State dominated Hawaii. Number 14, Boise State dominated Hawaii, 59-37. And Baylor put on a show against Texas Tech, 33-30. And the Cougars lost to number 25, Cincinnati, 38-23. If I miss any scores, you can, you can check out ESPN.com to find out where your favorite uh Uh, last. In closing, I did say that I was going to reveal a lot more about the crisis on infinite earths.
Well, turns out that there's more than meets the eye in store for the highly anticipated crossover. Now, most of you DC Comics nerds know that in the reading material, Lucifer teams up with Constantine in the in the comics. Well, I just received word, courtesy of Canada Graphs, who does report, who does a good job reporting to uh, all the fans and everybody else who followed the Arrowverse, that Tom Ellis, Lucifer himself, has showed up to Vancouver to film a scene or a few for the highly anticipated Crisis on Infinite Earths um, event. Also, I did happened to snap a pic courtesy of TV Line where it showed the uh, I'm sorry where it showed a better look of act of uh, Ryan Choi who happens to play the second, uh, the new Adam, I'm sorry, and Tom Cavanaugh, who, people who watch The Flash, uh, remember him as several versions of, the, of Harrison Wells. Most recently, he was uh, Sherlock, and you're thinking, oh, he was Sherlock Holmes. No, there was a version on one of the multiverses of Harrison Wells known as Sherlock, where his character was spelled as S-H-E-R-L-O-Q-U-E. But this time, he'll make an appearance as Pariah. Now, true admirers of DC Comics will realize that Pariah makes an appearance in universes that are about to end. So, count on him showing up and not only the Flash, judging from the sizzle reel that they posted, but Supergirl and Batwoman as well.
Now, speaking of Batwoman, I did post on my Facebook page some pictures courtesy of TV line of the Batwoman versions of Hush and Magpie. Now, I will have to I will have to read more into the comic sense to find their origins, but courtesy of Cinema Blend, Revenge alumnus Gabriel Mann will play Tommy Elliott. And he is, now, this version of his backstory was Bruce Wayne's childhood friend. I mean, he is Bruce Wayne's childhood friend. But in the episode, he... Uh, hosts a party where he boasts that he is that Tommy Elliot is finally um, richer than Kate's cousin Bruce. And a little tidbit courtesy of Cinema Blend is that Hush will target Kane I mean, will target Kate Kane, possibly jeopardizing her secret identity. And she'll learn as a rule never to underestimate a guy who holds a huge grudge and has allowed the bitterness to manifest itself in deadly ways. But anyway, this Sunday's episode of Batwoman should be very interesting. And again, guys, I do have another bit of news for you. The highly anticipated The Batman film this comes courtesy of ComingSoon.net A highly anticipated Batman film The Batman, um, I should say has found its Catwoman in actor Zoe Kravitz Now, for you Marvel buffs, Zoe Kravitz 
played the role of Angel Salvador in X-Men First Class. Now, since this is a big step for her, she joins a long list of actors that include Anne Hathaway in The Dark Knight Rises, Lee Merriweather, Michelle Pfeiffer, Halle Berry, and also Eartha Kitt and Julie Newmar. Now, Zoe Kravitz is in line to be the third black actress to don the role of Catwoman. She joins Halle Berry, who was the second, and Eartha Kitt, who was the first. Now, the status of the Batman is that it has been in development six since 2015 when, Bat, when Ben Affleck signed on to the DCEU. Matt Reeves of War for the Planet of the Apes fame signed on about a month after Affleck's directorial departure with the added caveat that he get to rewrite the script from scratch. Courtesy, uh, also courtesy of ComingSoon.net, a little bit of insight to the movie, where Reeves' story, where it says this, Reeves' story has been described as a character-driven project focusing on Batman's experiences as the world's greatest detective. The filmmaker has also said to expect a rogues gallery of villains in the movie. Oscar-nominated cinematographer Greg Frazier will serve as director of photography for the project. Mark on your calendar June 25, 2021 for its release. Other cast members for the film include... as well as Robert Pattinson playing the Batman, is Jeffrey Wright, who is in talks for the role of Commissioner Gordon, and Jonah Hill, who is asking a huge sum of money to play a villain. And it's still unclear. Well, I thank you guys for listening to tonight's episode. It really means a lot that you guys enjoy the podcast. I am on Breaker, as a matter of fact, so you can find me there. And also on Apple Podcasts, so please... Subscribe to the show. 
rate me, write a review. This really means a lot that you guys are even listening. And also, on my my Anchor profile, there is a way that you could donate to help me sound better with better equipment. Thanks a lot.